Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable New England's own Arthur C. Scott. Ossacy clock. <laughs> anyway, okay. across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, and he knows who he is. He is Stephen Parsons. Good evening, Arthur. How are you? I like that. I've been watching uh, Arthur C. Scott. And, uh, Scott. Yeah, that's twice you've got his name wrong. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too tired, am I? Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, the inventor of the communication satellite. Yeah, but more importantly, the mysterious world of Arthur C. Clarke or whatever it is. No, I don't know. Communication satellites are pretty important. Ah. Uh, if you worked for NASA, you'd say so. I did work for NASA. Hey, you've got a really cool program we watch over here. Redneck Rocket, Sci- Rocket Scientists. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Set in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Oh. There you go. So, there you go. Took a brief break from um, writing talks and presentations. What? Well, you've had me very busy this last couple of weeks, sitting no. in front of the computer doing talks and presentations. The other one is coming over here, and I'm not going over there. You're invited. It's not my fault Homeland Security won't let you out. Yeah, well, that's the truth. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, TuneIn Podcast, and perhaps the Ghost Box, the K2 Meter, or your mother the car. Who knows? Did you ever see my mother the car, by the way? Pardon? My mother the car. No. It was a, uh, I would guess, probably from the 60s, and it was about a gentleman whose mother died, and she would speak to him through the radio on a car. Uh, okay. That takes. So, so we go all the way back to the early years, and we have EVPs. Uh, we can go a lot further. We can go further back with EVPs than that. Yeah, but I mean, not they on go a TV show. Well, I don't know. Hang if on. it's not on a TV show, it doesn't exist. Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Uh, when was... No, you're probably right. I don't think I can, off the top of my head, go back beyond the 60s. Yeah, well, well I, I probably even earlier than that was, uh, of course... Um, uh, oh, that was that? Topper. That's the one, Topper. I remember Mr. Ed. Does that count? You never saw Topper? Nope. Black and white. Okay, that shows you how old it was. And it was, uh, Carol was his name. He was the actor. And he inherited a house with uh, George and Marion uh, and uh, the uh, dog. And they were all ghosts. 
they were all killed in a skiing accident, and only Topper could see them. And it was all about his life with the three ghosts, the St. Bernard and uh, the two people. Okay, I'll stick to Gilligan's Island and Mr. Ed, if you don't mind. No, this is going back to the paranormal. We're talking paranormal all the way back in the beginning of TV. Uh, I mean, it's not something, I mean, yeah, TV isn't, I don't sit in front of it very often, I'll be honest. Um, I don't either, but these were shows that were available. In fact, maybe you know what, I, think, I think I have We didn't have TV. I think I have a couple of toppers on uh, DVD, and when you come over here at the Beach House, I'll uh, leave them oh, for okay. amusement. That'll be, that'll be cool. Yeah. Catch up with them. So. Well, it'll make a change from Lizard Lick Towing, that's for sure. I yeah. don't know what happened to our... Uh, we, we, we're due a guest tonight. I guess he's either late or he's drowned doing his ice bucket challenge, but uh, we're hoping he'll catch up shortly with us in case anybody's wondering what just happened why why we're talking to ourselves about television programs. Oh, the ghost and Mrs. Muir, you're right, uh, Kristen. Kristen said that, yeah. That was another one, the ghost and Mrs. Muir. So many of them. So many I, of them. The thing is, I actually don't recall very many paranormal television programs, uh, you know, from my from my childhood or, or early years. Really? I don't think I was that enamored by... by TV, um, you know, I, I've never really been a huge fan of sitting in front of the TV. I'm not saying you are, or you know, there's no implications mm-hmm. of couch potato, but mm-hmm. I was more of a, a reader about stuff um, rather than a watcher of. Although I do remember Arthur C. Clarke's series, which was excellent. Kristen uh, says you must be deprived then. <laughs> depraved is the right. Is that, that, the, well, I, that's yeah. what I was going to say, but yeah, I, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, being yeah. kind because. Um, but no. I, plus, of course, here in the UK, up until ooh, uh, around about the, the late-ish nineties, we only had four TV channels, four or five TV channels. Uh, we didn't have the sort of broad spectrum no, we of either. American. We only had of American four as well. Really? We only. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we had TV antennas. There was no cable, of course. So you just, you know, wherever you. I always, I always imagined that America had hundreds of TV channels, or at least dozens of TV channels. No, we had, you know, uh, CBS, ABC, NBC, uh, and you might get a couple others, and that's about it. Uh, you, you know, seven, maybe. That's about it, really. And right. and you know, you had to. Uh, um, you know, get antenna. It was all free over the air, and and you had to, you know, you had to put the tin foil on it. Sometimes, sometimes you have had to have somebody hold on to it, and you and you moved the rabbit ears sometimes to, uh, yeah, that was the good old days. Did you ever? Well, because that was the days of old analog television, which is actually you talked about EVP before, and that brings us nicely into. Um, I think what may be behind this sort of regeneration in EVP was, of course, the the um, movie that came out, which was White Noise, which looked at it. Oh, well, it, was, it was, but it did touch upon ITC um, and this idea that it wasn't just, of course, in, um, I, instrumental transcommunication goes beyond EVP. And actually, there are some serious researchers who have been uh, using the medium of television, analog television, um, in order to be able to get through pictures. Yeah, I saw, I saw that realm. on Poltergeist. Yeah, seemingly from spirit realm. Um, you know, Stay here. <laughs> she disappeared into the television. But um, 
you know, it's it's interesting. There's there's how how these things come about within the paranormal, uh, often inspired by things like white noise. I remember, you know, at the time, um, watching the movie and thinking to myself, "There's going to be." you know, an explosion in EVP, ITC. But what hasn't taken off, surprisingly, um, there are there are a handful of groups using it, but it's video ITC or video EVP. Um, they are, you know, very much using the digital recorders, the handheld devices, but very few of them um, are using any form of video ITC. Really? Well, certainly here in the UK, I don't know whether that's the same in America. No, but there's some. Uh, I wonder if it's just too technically complex, or whether they, you know, don't get the immediacy of results. I don't know. Um, I know we did play with it for quite a while. I mean, I'm sending, I'm sending uh, Richard a uh, Facebook post. Okay, that might work. Um. But it's not something you you actually see very much. Interestingly, I have been following uh, one of the Facebook groups. I won't name it, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a UK based group, and there's been uh, some uh, some posts over the last few weeks, which is a, a novel twist and something that I've not really encountered before, um, which is uh, basically blowing smoke into a room, blowing mist into a room, and then photographing it, and then from those photographs of this mist of this this smoke vapor uh coming back and saying that you know they're, they're seeing images and this relates to there was one the other day that was two whales a submarine and a rare species of fish found in uh found in the waters off new zealand oh, cool. uh, that, that that apparently was this message from spirits that we have to look after the deep oceans Okay. Um, I have a, a quick question for you before to interrupt. Uh, has Richard been on the show before? I kind of think he may have been. Okay, so I will. Uh... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, that's what Richard Felix was doing with his uh, ghost machine there, that they would do the uh, – well, they did a little bit more to that. They had a little more pizzazz to it, but basically it was the smoke thing, and they would take pictures and see faces and the thing. Correct? Um, well, you were yeah, – I've never actually encountered that particular device up close, but doesn't that somewhat strike you as being a, a, an example of pareidolia? You know, because in, uh, in every one of the pictures it, I've seen so far, mm-hmm. what the what the what the person has had to do is literally, as they say, put on a crib sheet where they've overdrawn the smoke image um, with arrows and with with lines to indicate what it is that you're supposed to be seeing. Much like, <coughs> excuse me, in the case of EVP, right. you have to Bless tell you. people what to hear. Bless you. Um, yeah, but as far as pareidolia, uh, I mean, EVP is basically audio pareidolia unless it's something else. And so any pictures you're taking would be pareidolia unless it's something else. I mean, agreed? <laughs> Quite possibly, but... If it, is, if it isn't a ghost, it's got to be pareidolia. Has it? What else is there? Either seeing something that isn't there or... 
making sense of it with your brain, or you really is something there. So that's basically it. It's, I don't think there are any other choices, do you? There are lots of other choices. I mean, potentially it could... Well, it could just be pure psychology. It could just be the idea that this person is is delusional, is is believing that something's taking place when in actual fact it's not because they they just want it to be the case that it's paranormal. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a simplistic reason. They just want it to be that way, so therefore they believe it is. Okay. Uh, do we have Richard with us now? I... Hello? Yay! Yay! <laughs> Richard? Yeah, can you hear me? Loud yeah, and clear. Fine. Thank you for joining us. That's okay, I've, I've been in a sort of limbo land for the last ten minutes. <laughs> oh. Well, that's the paranormal, isn't it? That's it. Skype's been possessed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're coming from my future, as, as Steve always says, so, you know, it could be some type of a time rip, riff or something. That's it. <laughs> well, so, regardless, hello, Richard. Nice to have you finally. Yes. Nice to be here. And, uh, Steve, you want to introduce him to our, our listeners, please? Yeah, this- this is a gentleman I've had the, the good fortune and the great pleasure to work alongside on a number of occasions, both as uh, both at cons uh, and different events. Uh, a man who is a genuine expert on the history of the paranormal and in, also is an expert on uh, the history and I, can we say folklore of Jack the Ripper, Richard? Oh, yeah, folk- folklore is a very good, good, good way to put it. Really, so the, hit, the, paranormal, the history of the paranormal and the folklore of Jack the Ripper. Well, I got to talk right about the folklore. Why the folklore of Jack the Ripper? I thought he was a real person. You mean to tell me he didn't exist? Well, it's interesting because Jack the Ripper, as a person, never did exist. It was an invention uh, from the signature on the letter that was sent in to the Central News Agency. So. There was definitely a Whitechapel murderer who was committing murders in the East End, or probably several Whitechapel murders. But the name Jack the Ripper is pure invention of the press, and around that name has been woven this magnificent folklore. So that's what Steve's referring to on the folklore of Jack the Ripper. Ah. So have you been able to separate the facts from the fiction? Well, that, 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 that's the main thing. I mean... Thing I always get asked by people is, well, you know, who, who, who was Jack the Ripper? And I always say, well, he was nobody. <laughs> there, was ne- there was no one called uh-huh. Jack the Ripper. You know, there was never a Jack the Ripper. Uh, but to separate the facts, yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating story because for that 12 weeks in 1888, you've got the world's media from, uh, from all across Europe, uh, England, America, going into that one little area of the East End of London and reporting back on the ordinary people, the panic that these murders were causing and it's the only thing where the closest we ever come to if you like a time a mirror a time mirror to be able to look back on that area see the everyday women and the other great thing about it is uh, as I said, from a folklore perspective is you had the spiritualists out there as well convinced they were getting in touch with the victims who were telling them really? who jack the ripper was 
Yeah. Now, I was not aware of that. So that's an interesting fact in itself. In fact, uh, Steve is coming over here uh, very shortly in about a month to do Spur Quest, which is going to look into the beginning of ghost hunting and the beginning of spiritualism. So this is a, a new twist that I was unaware of. Um, yeah. Do you, want, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it, all, it all started uh, with the murder of, well, uh, it was around already, but when and, uh, the, the, third, the third victim of Jack the Ripper was a lady called Elizabeth Stride. Now, Elizabeth Stride, was, uh, she was murdered in Burner Street, but it took, she was the one who took the longest to identify because this mysterious lady called Mary Malcolm turned up, and she said that she was convinced that the, the murder victim was her sister. And uh, the reason she thought this was because about one o'clock in the morning, on the morning of the murder, she'd been lying in bed when she'd felt a pressure on her chest and she'd heard a little kiss to the side of her cheek. And she was convinced it was the spirit of her sister coming to say goodbye. Now, when that got out into the newspapers, the, uh, the, 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 the press went wild with it. But then other spiritists started coming forward saying, oh, well, we've had contact with these victims as well. Uh, and Mary Malcolm's a mysterious figure because she basically uh, she, she went into the co- into the inquest and she just completely blackened her sister's character, saying that she was a she was a bad and she'd she'd got involved with a policeman, she'd gone off the rail, she'd had legitimate children, she kept dropping children on her door, sister's doorstep, and the coroner made it quite clear that he didn't believe a word of what she was saying. The police made it quite clear she didn't be, believe a word of what she was saying, and the only way she was disproved in the end was after about three weeks, her sister hobbled into court and said, and said I can't believe what she's done to me, because <laughs> she was actually a respectably married woman living in Tottenham, and oh she's all of a sudden, the na- because of this, all my neighbours think that I'm living in sin, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've become a, a pariah in my neighbourhood, uh, and this, this was always the say uh, from this Mary Malcolm, but that started what they called this, the sort of, uh, the, the, the fascinating or the supernatural twist to the Jack the Ripper mystery, and thereafter you had lots of people coming forward saying that different people had got into contact with them. You had table rappers up in York who were saying that they got, uh, and it became effectively a party game, that people were sort of having little uh, parties, sort of gathering around, doing table rapping, spirit rapping, and they were trying to get in touch with the spirits of the victims to name who Jack the Ripper was. There was wow, actually a famous British medium, wasn't there, who uh, apparently predicted, and I, I apologise for the noise, I was actually trying to reach out for the book on Robert Lee's because my version yep. of it has a letter uh, pasted into the back of it, written by one of his friends, um, basically saying that you know they'd known uh, James Lee's for a number of years and that he was absolutely convinced... Uh, that he had uh, correctly named the Ripper, even to the point where he, um, he was at one point offered £500 by a newspaper, uh, which he refused, and that the identity died with him. But that they have regularly, in the spirit, uh, from the spirit side, um, and that he again named it as a... named the... Named the Jack the Ripper from the spirit side, where he felt more safe and secure. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, it's a fact. I mean, Robert Lee's is the one. If if any anyone has seen the uh, it's the Michael Caine Jack the Ripper TV series, Robert Lee's is the one who's played by Donald Sutherland in that. He's an interesting character because he he was definitely he, he seems to have been one of those spiritualists who 
say that uh, these people saying that they had got in touch with the spirits of the various victims. Uh, but I say Lilies is to say perhaps the most famous, uh, quite famous as well, because one he one of his accounts was that he was on a, on an omnibus going along Park Lane, and suddenly he'd seen Jack the Ripper in a dream, and suddenly he looked up, and there was the man sitting opposite him. So he followed him home to a house off Park Lane, and uh, it turned out to be a, a, a the house of a respectable physician. Uh, now. What he's saying there, effectively, is that we do know Brook Street, which is just in Mayfair, just off Park Lane, is where um, Sir William Gull lived. And poor old William Gull's the one who always gets named Johnny Depp uh, in the Johnny Depp film From Hell. It was it was um, William Gull in the various other, uh, I think, Chris, a Murder by Decree with Christopher Plummer in it and James Mason. It, it's it's he's he's involved in that as well. Uh, but it's 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 an interesting and it's it's a not, not a well known aspect of the Jack the Ripper case that you had all this going on as well. Right now, there have been over the years hundreds and hundreds of attempts to identify Jack the Ripper, um, and I think most recently we've had a TV program uh, broadcast here in the UK in which a group of American paranormal investigators visited. I think spoke to you as part of the program. They did. I, how how credible are these? Uh, will we ever truly know the identity of Jack the Ripper, or is it is it purely speculation? Because almost every year we get new revelations from uh, you know, from different uh, experts, from different you know from the paranormal. From, from ripperologists, from somebody who's turned up a piece of paper stuck in the back of something or in an old archive. It's too many years. Yeah. I mean, the, the honest truth is, well, we're, the probability is unless a miracle happens, we're never going to find the true identity. Uh, the reason being that we know the police of the time had suspects. We know they suspected people. Uh, we know we know the names of some of those suspects as well. And several police officers working on the case actually go on record and they say that they knew who Jack the Ripper was, and, they, and some say they even caught him. Problem is, they all, they all named different people, uh, all of whom can't have been Jack the Ripper. Uh, the probability is that he, he was just a, an ordinary an ordinary nobody who lived in the East End of London. His neighbours, his family, maybe people who met him in the street thought he was a little bit odd but harmless. And every so often the voices in, in his head just went, just got too much, and he went out and killed that. And that's probably, and that is the, the typical serial killer. It's, it's the per, last person you'd ever expect it to be. The problem with that sort of suspect is that it doesn't sell books and doesn't sell films and TV series. Mm-hmm. So consequently, they... TV producers, publishers, they want the biggie. They want, oh, it's got to be a, a royal, it's got to be a member of the royal family, or it's got to be this, it's got to be that. But the, problem, the big problem for us today is that we don't have any of the evidence. We know police suspects, we know information, but the evidence has all disappeared. So we've got, we haven't got the evidence on which they base their suspicions. And without that, we can't say for definite who Jack the Ripper was. Mm-hmm. You know, we actually attempted to do something like that last Halloween, and and we had uh, one of the suspects was a gentleman who was in a a, a sane asylum and then escaped, and we had a uh, logbook from that 
uh, asylum or whatever it was called. And one of the theories was that this gentleman went to America and and uh, ended up in New York City because we had ended up with a similar case. As it turned out, Harry Houdini was also in New York at that same time period. So we had some artifacts from Harry Houdini, and we attempted to connect with Harry Houdini so that he could tell us who this gentleman was. And, of course, it didn't work. So there you go. But there are some theories, like you mentioned. <laughs> that. That's always the problem with Jack the Ripper. You always, you always think you're just about to get there, and something yeah. happened. I mean, the interesting thing, the big American suspect was Dr. Tumblety. There was a quack physician mm-hmm. uh, who, again, he was another person who just got himself involved. I mean, he got himself tied up with your own theories of who it might have been or sealed and we never know we'll never know for a second because we have to take a break right now. Uh, we want to thank you. Sorry you got here so late, but uh, we'll come back in the, right after the break. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, and wherever else it is. Uh, I am Ron Kolick. My partner is Steve Parsons, and our very special guest is Richard Jones. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Nonetheless, despite Ron's poor aging heart, we're back for part two of Ghost Chronicles International. And uh, you're listening to us possibly live on Toginet or Para-X or the Ghost Channel or possibly on a Ghost Box or an iPod or some other form of app. And our guest tonight is Ripperologist and a part we haven't yet come to uh, with Richard, uh, paranormal expert Richard Jones. And uh, Richard and I are both... Also, survivors of most haunted. 
we've both <laughs> I think it, are we allowed to call ourselves survivors of most haunted Richard I, I, I think we are I think we should have badges <laughs> we, I, I, I survive most haunted <laughs> well, well so, wait a minute since you brought it up it, it of course has oh. relaunched so yeah. what what is the story on the new one it, it, what is it thumbs up thumbs down how many thumbs are we giving this thing <laughs> Well, who are you asking to review I, I've it? I've got to be honest. I've not, I've not seen it. It's on really over here, and I've not actually, I've not actually seen it yet. Ah, okay. Well, it's down to me then, because I have. And you, well, I I put on face. Actually, it worked. Um, they they they've thrown out an awful lot of night vision. There's no REM pods. There's no geo pods. There's no EVPs. There's no EMFs. Um, a lot of people were complaining that, you know, and comparing it to Ghost Adventures. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Ghost Adventures has its problems too. But um, it was, I think a lot of people, uh, regardless of complaining about it, you know, the footage was raw. It was, it was edgier than it used to be. It was more like an old Series 1 program. Uh, but the lack of night vision, I think, was annoying people because they were using torches and standard camcorders uh, and just wandering aimlessly around a building. Uh, it was. It was. There was also a bit of a rerun of the greatest hits uh, in terms of phenomena. Um, you know, thirty seconds in, the first of the taps and raps and objects getting thrown about. Um, mm. You know, so it was a rerun of the greatest hits. They haven't come up with any new phenomena. Uh, the phenomena come hard and fast, but just in terms of straightforward footage, uh, you know, it, it looked okay, and it was more reflective of many of the ghost investigations that you know I've I've seen people do, and it's not going to make people you know very comfortable uh, when I say that it was entirely reflective with uh, you know my impression of amateur investigators aimlessly sort of wandering around calling out for the spirits to interact with them. And, uh, yeah, the good old days. And why not? You know, we've got Ghost Adventures on immediately before it here in the UK with, um, with Zach, who's, in, who, who's getting, you know, strangely, he's changing colour. I don't know whether it's all this exposure to, to <laughs> the atmosphere inside haunted houses, but he's, he's turning orange. Uh, he may he's, be he's getting pro- possessed by Michael Jackson. Jackson he, you know, he, he's, he's one of the few people <laughs> actually looks better in night vision uh, because he looks more natural. Um, you know, in daylight, he's bright orange, bless him. Um, oh. But And you don't have this constant bombardment of the SB7 spirit box, this, this a really oh. annoying full-volume noise, yeah, all the way through the bloody show. Um, yeah. You know, you just have, you know, you just have screaming and uh, the usual... Back to the old days. Okay. But, but the footage worked. I liked it. I, I think about... Most Haunted does tend to get a bit. I mean, in, in the past, I mean, I, I always thought Most Haunted, one of the great things about it was it sparked off a whole interest. And to this day, I mean, if, 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 if you look at, certainly in the UK, the normal paranormal research groups that got going out of watching Most Haunted, and also history, I mean, my, my interest is in the history of it all. And I, uh-huh. I always remember that I, I think I was two episodes in and uh, someone came to me and said that her, her 12-year-old son and his friends had done an entire project in their spare time on Dick Turpin. And they got all the historical, they'd gone to all the local documents, got all the historical documents out and done this fantastic project for school. And that was all inspired by Most Haunted. And I think, you know, Most Haunted did an awful lot of good. 
it did, and I think a lot of people also, uh, when they were judging it the other night, when when it started up again, uh, and making these comparisons, uh, you know, one one well known British skeptic actually decided, uh, announced beforehand that they were going to tweet their way through it to counter the bullshit of Most Haunted, um, but they're all forgetting it was primarily an entertainment program. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. So I'll have to wait till it gets over here, but. It, uh... I was glad to see it back. I, I was glad to see it back. There, uh, you know, I could talk to Richard about the history. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there have been some there have been some spectacular blunders um, by other historians on the show, uh, not least of which when they didn't recognise one castle from another in Romania. Um, but hey, why not? Why an easy mistake to make. Yeah, well, yeah. you see one castle, they all look the same, right? <laughs> I think you That's it, gener- yeah, a castle's a castle. Gen- yeah, I think you were being generous, Richard. <laughs> so, but, Richard, but speaking of... It was nice speak, to see it back. Speaking of castles, Richard, and I, I'm not sure, I tried to message Steve, but he didn't get it during the break, but uh, the glass castles of Scotland, do you know anything about those? Are the glass forts? The glass castles. We have a glass guest for the that. forts. Do we? We do. You asked me okay. to sort out the guest, and we have a guest on the 16th of September for that. Okay, so we will get back on that. So, have you, well, <laughs> since, I, since, I, since I brought it up, have you ever heard of it, uh, Richard? Did you say the glass castles? Glass forts, I guess they're called, really. Vitrified forts. No, I haven't, no. Okay, so you'll have to turn on the 16th and find out about it then. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll, I, will, I will be tuned in. I'll be yeah, we'll, have to now, we'll have to now explain to the rest of the listeners that a couple of weeks ago. No, we will. We'll all explain it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, we'll so explain it now because you'll leave them all confused. That oh well, here, it's a cliffhanger. It's Britain, a cliffhanger. We have some some ancient forts that are vitrified. And Ron asked you talk. me to. I'm not going to let and, you talk. Nope. Ron asked me nope. to find us an expert to talk about it. So <laughs> I have, and we will. Okay. But not so tonight. There you, go. there you go. So anyway, Richard, I'm sorry about this madness. <laughs> um, but anyways, you are a paranormal historian too. So what, what what exactly is a paranormal historian? Well, I I, I see myself more more in the uh, in the realms. I mean, it goes back to this folklore, but I see myself more as a collector of folklore. I mean, I I've, I've since probably since, since well. For, a lot, lot of my adult life, but certainly since 1992, I've been writing books on haunted Britain, haunted Ireland, myths and legends, and I just try to. And I, I go around and I, I collect ghost stories, and it's it's. It, I, I just find it fascinating. I see the ghost story as our real last bastion of the oral tradition. That basically, it's great. I mean, no matter where I go, uh, I can go to inns. I can go sit there and talk to people, and if I mention what I'm doing, that I'm researching a book on ghosts or haunted houses, haunted castles. I can be in a bar in the, in the highlands of Scotland, and I know within about five, ten minutes of me mentioning it, what I'm doing, people are gathered around telling ghost stories to each other. And I just think that's such a wonderful thing, that, uh, that the storytelling element of it. And we've all done it as kids. You, know, you gather around the candle or you gather around the fire and you try to scare the wits out of each other. And I, I, I just think it's such a magical thing. And what I like about it is that it, it's got that, it's 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 so decisive. It's straight down the middle. You believe, you don't believe. <laughs> and I always know when I meet the non-believers, and I'm sort of in the, in the bar, and they go, you know, oh, I don't believe in all that. 
And I always wait. I wait for it to happen now because I'll go, oh, I don't believe in that. And then a couple of minutes or a few seconds later, they'll go, ah, but you'll never guess what happened to me once. <laughs> <laughs> Steve? Well, just, yep. wait, I'm just, yeah, I, I, mean, I was just reading the oh, chat. I just went there. silent there for a minute. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I thought it was paranormal. Alien abduction. <laughs> Alien abduction. So, I mean, it, it's interesting. It's, it's in the chat room. Which cavern? Cavern? I was dealing with the, audience, with the, the uh, listeners who are in the chat room. Oh, my apologies. My apologies. Okay. So, you know, we, anyways, have to, we have to deal with our audience wherever they come from, both of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways, um, so, Richard, what, what do you find, if you've done a lot of uh, historical investigation, what, what do you find the most interesting uh, case that you've run across that really, you know, you shake your head with it, even after you've done all the research? From an interest point of view, uh, I, I would say, I mean, I, I, Ireland's the place for me, and I, w- I would say probably Let Castle in Ireland, uh, Sean, Sean Ryan's place over in Ireland. I mean, that's the one that, that, that there's certainly an atmosphere about it the moment you cross, cross the threshold. And Sean's such a great character. I mean, you know, <laughs> but him and his wife, they bought this castle and they're restoring it. And uh, like, like he says, all the stories he tells about. You know, he tries to repair this bit, and, he's, and he, the, the ladder will suddenly fall over. It's, it's as though this, whatever's there doesn't want that place to be restored. So I think that, that to me, I find that a really uh, interesting and mysterious place. The, the other thing I find is, which I, I, I like the paradox of it as well, because I find lots of people who'd say that they've got ghosts in their house, they, you know, haunted house, and you automatically think, oh, haunted house, I'm going to be terrified of it. Mm-hmm. But what I do find is a lot of people who've got ghosts in their house, they almost come to accept the ghost as part of their family. <laughs> and when you sort of say, have you ever thought of maybe exorcism or getting rid of the ghost in some way or whatever, they look at you with horror. <laughs> so you're going to kill you, their favorite pet or something. I'll tell you what else is frustrating. When they, when they eventually call in the investigators, and this has happened on countless occasions, to us, you know, oh, yeah, every night at 8 o'clock, um, you know, while we're watching Coronation Street or Lizard Lick Towing, the ghost walks across and tips over the tea trolley or walks in front of the TV. And, uh, of course, you say to them, well, have you ever videoed it? Oh, yeah, the thought never occurred to us. So you go round there at eight o'clock, and of course nothing happens. And they look at you and go, I, I, "This is that. This hasn't happened before. It's usually as regular as clockwork." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you, you come. You, you've just touched on one of my favourite countries and a place where you know I'm not very far away, and I spend a great deal of time um, over in Ireland these days. And Ireland does have an absolutely fascinating um, paranormal history i guess and as uh, uh, intertwined with its folklore and one of the things i discovered when i moved to west wales is is how much of uh, uh, there is a similarity between the the west coast of of britain and and of course uh, ireland uh, we have the fairies we have very similar ghosts and paranormal phenomena uh, and indeed tales and accounts that you know, sort of span the irish sea yeah, it, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I mean the, the similarities. I mean, and I think it, it is. It's the, it's the Celt. I think it's the Celt, the Celtic influence uh, that, that comes there. And that, that, of course, that that's what makes the Welsh and the Irish, and of course the Cornish, make, makes them such great uh, storytellers. It's. Uh, I mean, you know, you, I, I always say about Ireland is that you can be told the most mundane story in Ireland, <laughs> but if you heard it in London, if you heard it. In, in the home counties in England, you'd just, you know, you'd be falling asleep. But be told in an island, and you think, oh wow, this is fantastic. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's just, it's just so. And I, I think it's, it's the underlying spiritualism that Ireland's got. I mean, I always, I always think, you know, you think Ireland's going to be, and it is a beautiful country in parts, but I think Ireland's beauty is more a spiritual beauty. Absolutely. Is it? Do you think to do with them? Because although both both countries were were sort of conjoined during the Reformation, they they separated uh, relatively shortly afterwards in terms of their religious base. Cath- uh, Ireland remained a predominantly Catholic country, whereas the UK became a, a, a Protestant country. Do you think that's affected the way that we've gone forward with our paranormal beliefs? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, certainly. In England, uh, I mean, when you had the dissolution of the monasteries, you had the Reformation, you had uh, then you had Cromwell, uh, uh, Thomas Cromwell, uh, and, and the breakdown of all all superstitions. And, they, and then later, of course, you got Oliver Cromwell. And I think what then happened was that uh, it became very matter of fact, and it really wasn't uh, until I mean, you, you had ghosts coming up every so often in the ninth, in the eighteenth century in London. I mean, the famous one, of course, is uh, is the Cock Lane ghost, <laughs> but. Um, I, I think in Ireland that didn't happen, so I think you still got that aspect in Ireland. And, and to this day, I mean, it is changing. I've noticed it has, it has started changing. But I remember when, when I started going over there, which would be about 1998, 1999, and I'd go to inns and I'd say, oh, you know, you've got ghosts, and they go, well, we have, but we don't like to talk about it. Whereas in England, it'd be completely opposite. Yeah, we've got a ghost, let's advertise it everywhere. <laughs> Well, that has definitely changed in the last few years. Um, Ireland um, certainly is is very much on an upward curve in terms of uh, paranormal investigation. The number of groups, I remember when, when you and I first went over for Paracon, uh, you could probably count the number of paranormal groups in, in the Republic of Ireland, probably on one, two hands maximum. Uh, but the yep. the number, the interest in, in actually getting out there and investigating the paranormal uh, is is accelerating at a tremendous rate over the water in, in the Republic. And indeed the North, you know, yeah. it, it's effectively one country uh, separated by a political division. But, you know, th- th- this fascination uh, in the paranormal, it, it didn't seem to take off uh, like it did here in the UK with Most Haunted. Um, yet they had the TV programme. Uh, the interest didn't really pick up until... I would say 2004, five, um, and then, you know, rapidly in the last sort of five or six years. Yeah, so it's almost like it, it coincided like with with the Celtic, the rise of the Celtic tiger. It was, uh, it was suddenly you got all the uh, your Amazons and your Googles going over there and everything. And I think that, I think it was the, I say, I mean, obviously economic wise, it's changing now. But I think with that. Uh, but I, 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 not, I noticed that that change uh, initially. It would be sort of, you know, the, be that superstition, or well, not superstition, but that that unwillingness to, if you if you like, to 
absolutely. And what's also quite interesting is there is a there's a, a, a kind of obvious difference in the techniques used by the Irish investigators and the British investigators. Uh, Irish investigators seem to have uh, grown up on a diet of American ghost investigation programs, whereas uh, in the UK, you know, as we mentioned before, Most Haunted was the the originator of the investigation genre program. And the Irish team seemed to be much more equipment-influenced and technique-influenced by the American shows, which I guess is what they've sort of grown up on. They're the shows that uh, they've, they've been brought up on uh, once the, you know, the, the interest started. You know, they got, they've got Ghost Adventures and, uh, of course, Ghost Hunters and uh, Haunted Collectors and uh, Girly Ghost Hunters... And whatever else you've got over there, Ron, that you're sending us. Yeah, we've but there is definitely a di- there's definitely there's definitely a, 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 a I mean, UK teams are, are changing their methodology um, to a, a sort of more equipment to a more Americanized approach. But I think the Irish teams are slightly ahead of the British teams on this. Um, in terms yes, of definitely, yeah. And I, I've noticed the equipment thing uh, certainly over here now. That's become sort of a lot bigger. Uh, but I, I think it, it, it's all interesting. And I think at the heart of it, yeah, the equipment's fine, but I think there's, there's a lot to be said for just, you know, using your senses. I, I think uh, I think the sad thing now, uh, I mean, one of the things I've got about the internet, I mean, I love the internet. I mean, I think it's fantastic to have the internet. But I think in some ways the internet's devalued knowledge because there's no, <laughs> there really isn't that much effort anymore in finding something. It's just a click of a button and the information's there. Uh, so there's no effort in finding the knowledge, and I think with equipment as well. Whereas I think if you rely on your own senses, if you sense something, go somewhere, you, you know, you really can pick up on atmospheres, and from atmospheres you can, you know, un, un, get, get a story, and I think that's fine. And I think the equipment then is an important part of it. Ah, the man yeah. that talks my language. Ron, I hope you were paying close attention to that. Oh, I, I agree in a way. I mean, and, and Richard, I mean... It, it, that goes as well as for research as far as looking up things on the internet it's so easy but to me if you go and you've actually looked in a book uh you know it to me it gives me much more credence than something that's popped up on the uh, internet and speaking about books richard uh one of the first books in my library was a uh, a book called haunted britain in ireland and uh, oh i know the author yeah, and actually, it was a big contributor to my my book goes today. Uh, the the stories in it were absolutely fascinating, and uh, I want to thank you very much for that book. That was an excellent book. And, oh, thank and you. That's something you're not going to see on the internet. Uh, no offense, that's you won't get something as enjoyable as that on the internet. It's just you know. It, and it, I, it, I'm, I'm going to segue them two together here by asking Richard, before we run out of time completely, Richard, where on the internet can they buy your books, including Haunted Britain and Ireland? To that. Which I have a <laughs> Well, they can actually go to, they can go to my website, which is, uh, uh, I, well, actually, it's haunted-britain.com. So it's haunted-britain.com. And they can get the book, but all the stories are on there as well. And I highly recommend this. And, and Steve, I guess it's in your library, so you would highly recommend it's, it as well, it's correct? It's one of, one of a number of books by Richard that I have on my shelves um, uh, that, I, that, well, I, that I do refer to occasionally. 
I am going to have to look for some of these other ones. I, I, I absolutely love that book. And like I said, it's been referred to several times in uh, my book. Myself, oh, thank you. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it must be quite enjoyable for you to do research on a book like uh, Haunted Britain and Ireland as well. It was. I mean, Haunted Britain Ireland, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it, it's an in, it was interesting because I, I wrote that book just on the cusp. It was, it was, the Internet was there. But it was, it was, I mean, it was still like, Lycos was your search engine, and Lycos and Alta Vista, they, they were the search engines. Uh, oh. uh, how can I say it? They weren't that reliable. No. <laughs> on those uh, but so it, I was doing that sort of mostly just driving around the country. And I mean, when I said about the internet devaluing knowledge, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think the internet's such a wonderful source of knowledge. I mean, mm -hmm. you can find almost anything now, uh, you know, if you, if you look hard enough on the internet, uh, but my, the method then true, was though. literally just knocking on doors and saying, <laughs> what are you haunted? might not be true. <laughs> right? You've just killed that conversation. Sorry, <laughs> but I said what you <laughs> you find might not be true because there's so much mis well, misinformation yeah, on the I mean, this, this is the other thing as well because you do get a lot. I mean, obviously, if you, if you go to a pub and you're going to put them in a book and out of that book they're going to get visitors of the pub then how many publicans are going to you know you say are you haunted and what i did start to notice was that i could almost guess what sort of ghost a publican would come up with you know i mean the number of landlords who've hanged themselves in the pub cellar <laughs> of pubs across england i mean you, you know it's it's a wonder they've got any landlords left uh, so it's but and the other one was oh you know i'd be polishing the glasses and i sense that someone behind me uh, so of course yeah you, you you didn't know if what you were being told was true but there's always the method i think steve steve you know that you can always tell if, if you if you if you watch someone's eyes <laughs> it, it, you you can get an inkling if you watch them closely uh are they making it up or are they recalling and it's you know it's it's, it's a fine line and i I'll fully admit, I mean, there's probably been some who've pulled the wool over my eyes. But then again, there have been some great ghost stories I've heard. And I think a lot of ghost stories, I mean, I, I, I still got this theory that the Victorians invented a lot of ghost stories, that you can actually trace the development of the ghost stories from when Dickens came out with Christmas Carol in oh, wow. uh, 1843. Uh, and then he starts doing the annual Christmas book, and then suddenly mm -hmm. ghost stories hit, hit, hit. And you get uh, Lord Littleton, who came out with that wonderful And there were many people who got in on the ghost story, um, but, Lord but Halifax Richard, famously. But um, I, I, yeah. well, I was going to say, one of the things that Richard did touch on there is this idea of um, the history of, uh, of, a, of a haunting. You know, when you, when you do research into investigation, and I'm, I'm sure Richard has, has backtracked down through the archives like I have, they, the, the ghost tends to peter out. But you talked about one earlier in Ireland, Leap Castle, Leap Castle. <laughs> where there is a historical uh, ghost story that goes way, way back, isn't there? Way beyond Dickens, uh, the, the tales of Lake Castle. Uh, like with Mary King's Close in Scotland, there are accounts going back to the yeah. 17th century. And they're, they're very interesting and almost unique in paranormal history. I mean, I just touched on two, but do you find that, you know, the more people investigate, the more ghosts, the more ghost stories come back? Or do you... Do we have some buildings that, that are historically haunted? Oh, yes. I mean, um, the, 
classic one that springs straight to mind here is the Tower of London. I mean, the mm-hmm. Tower of London has got a, 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 you know, the ghost stories of the Tower go back, well, at least to, to probably to the 18th, uh, 17th century. But I mean, the Tower of London's got, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can't turn a corner without uh, being part of the haunted castle. I mean, it must be, it's a veritable village of ghosts, that place. But there's a lot, a lot of places like it. And, uh, and when you think, I mean, the history you've got of England, and somebody actually said to me in Ireland, my, my favourite quote on it was, ghosts only ever appear in places of own great happiness or great misery. Uh, and that's the other thing about ghost stories, is that everyone associates them with being terrible events. But there are a lot of happy ghosts as well, who just seem to be quite content. They like the place, so why should they little little thing like death cause them to move on? <laughs> we don't well, have very many haunted graveyards. I hate to say this, but we've got about a minute left, so we have to wrap it up. So uh, we didn't hear the pizza bell, but evidently it did ring. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Richard, we want to thank you so much. And uh, uh, yeah, once sorry, again, sorry for the, the confusion at the start. Oh, that's all right. Well, you know, I'd love to have you on again, and, and maybe like the Ripper part was really good. I really enjoyed that. That was we we looked at that case that's so well known, and we discussed it a little bit. So that maybe we come back and do a, a topic uh, on on that type of thing. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, anyways. That'd be more more than but, happy. Uh, maybe great. Could you give out your website once again so uh, we can get that out there? Yes, please? it's haunted britain.com so it's haunted-britain.com Richard, thank you so much uh, it was quite enjoyable and I was quite serious about that thank book you. that is on my shelf thank you very so, much yep, have a great day thank so you, it's Richard. time to wrap it up, I owe, you, I owe you a drink I was just I was just offering it, making sure that you know, I'd said I you owe him a drink? I, I owe him a drink well, I owe him a pint I look forward to that here. <laughs> Richard and I have shared many, many, many happy evenings um, oh, talking, talking about You can sit around and talk about, oh man, that'd be awesome. Anyways, um, you'll be over here very shortly in uh, like less Yeah, I'll buy you, I'll, I shall buy you. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Mm-hmm.